0: Oh, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We are back from our Western travels. The most important thing for me to tell you is that I actually have a base for my suntan for the summer?
1: <laughs> David's all ready for so I, uh, I, sun.
0: <laughs> I don't care whatever else happens. Trump, anything. I don't care. Um, do you want to talk about the trip at all?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we really had an amazing time headed out west. We went to Tucson to see our daughter Tess, who's at um, University of Arizona, and really did have some good eats while out there. Amazing street fairs going on in Tucson. We, I've, The largest street fair I've ever seen, the 4th uh, Avenue street fair, was terrific. We also love Time Market, a gorgeous little market that serves uh, fresh-baked goods, baked breads, and their own pizza. We headed out to Scottsdale for a day trip, uh, finally made it to J.L. Patisserie. Her stuff is amazing, uh, especially her cruffins. And uh, we did go to Valentine for dinner, a really hard res to get, uh, but we sort of snuck in at the last moment. And they have attached to their incredible restaurant with their amazing natural wines, um, this uh, mid-century modern antique store. So if you ever make it out to Valentine, make sure you hit the store because we walked away with six new um, dining room chairs. Which
0: Not new, amazing. old. Six yes, old vintage.
1: New. But they're new for us, but they're vintage for somebody else. Um, and then we head out to um, Palm Springs. We had such an amazing time out there. We went to Joshua Tree. We checked out all of Tara Lazar's restaurants. We restaurant. climbed
0: a mountain and ran into a long, uh, a long, what are they called? Long, bighorn sheep. Coming down the path toward us. It was very cool. I kid you not. It was awesome. We got out of the way. Okay. Okay.
1: Uh, Anyway, so uh, amazing eats out there. Follow me on uh, Instagram at NYCCI, N-E-L-L-I-S. You'll see all the delicious eats that we had while we were out there and some of our hiking travels as well. Um, And, of course, go to com to find out more about our travels and things that we are doing and everything that is happening here in the D.C. metro area. Okay, let's get into today's show.
0: All right, so uh, for our drink segment, because we always like to have drinks, Julia Uh Fletcher is back with us uh, from Bowen Ivy. She's brought in Joe Rivera, who's their sales and marketing guy, Uh and um, they have a new spring gin that they've just released. We're going to be getting tastes and some conversation about that. Passover's coming, Hubba Hubba, which means matzah brai, matzah, matzah matzah, and more matzah. It Uh, is
1: the reason that matzah balls exist. Right.
0: (laughs) And it's, well... We'll talk about cream cheese on matzah, too. But Valerie Zweig's in. She's an old friend of ours and an old friend of the show. Uh, She is a masterful entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's co-founder of everyone's favorite chicken soup and more prescription chicken. She's got soups to talk about. She's got a Passover starter kit to talk about. Matzah bribe, matzah ball soup and more. Mm -hmm. Lots of matzah. H Street's pre—I can't even say it fast. Please bring chips is the Mm -hmm. place we've been. It's a great catering and event space. That hosts awesome pop ups. So, Chef Marcel Afron was on the show a couple of, about two months ago, and we went to his pop up. Now, Chef Christian Irabien, am I doing it right? God, good for me, is uh, on. He's the executive chef and creative director of Amparo Fondita. Uh, and um, we're going to hear about what he's got for his pop up at Please Bring Chips. Um, he's in with uh, Please Bring Chips Dana. Kamato, who is their venue and events manager, we'll hear from her. And she
1: brought some mezcal because uh, they do all the alcohol.
0: Components. And then we're going to go over the drink need, components. and eat Chef Christian's food later. Yes. Okay. Paula Johnson is here. She's got maybe the best job in the world. She's a uh, curator of food and wine history at the National Museum of American History. That's part of the Smithsonian. Mm-hmm. Uh, the museum and the Napa Valley Ventners are co-hosting a big event for wine lovers under the name Napa Wines in Changing Times. Napa winemakers will be in town. They'll be talking about all kinds of stuff, but Paula's going to give us the four one one on that shortly. But first, let's drink. Okay. Uh, Bowen Ivy's Julia Fletcher is here. Julia. So Julia
1: was in a couple months ago. You were here for, I think, for an RIMW thing, right? What was going yeah. on? What did we bring you in
2: for? So yeah, you brought me in for restaurant. Well, the cocktail week uh, Metro. Metropolitan Restaurant Association of Washington, D.C. Right. So we did a cocktail and bite pairing in the cocktail room at and Ivy in Ivy City that week. So we were in to promote that event and talk about... Everything the association does for restaurants and bars here in the district. Right. And so, but what we didn't get
1: to really dive into was like you and this distillery and how you guys got started. So let's give a little bit of background.
2: Sure. So um, people always ask, first, let's start with the name Bo & Ivy. It is in Ivy City. Bo is not a person. It's not Obama's dog. It's not a lot of other cute things. It's the B&O Railroad because we're Mm -hmm. on West Virginia Avenue, which Mm -hmm. was the original freight line into D.C., and the distillery still sits in the railroad easement. So. And you wouldn't want
0: to call it Bo and Ivy because it would put a stink on it. That right? would
2: totally but I'm put a stink. Thank on you, it. thank you okay. very much. Loving the dad jokes. <laughs> um, That's But a dad the way, joke. way we came to existence. So Bo and Ivy is one hundred percent owned by service disabled veterans um, and woman run. Mm-hmm. Um, and like a lot of people during the pandemic, you know, we sat around and said, man what am I doing with my life and what would I rather be doing? I grew up in um, a family business in manufacturing in West Virginia, and I knew I wanted to make a real thing. uh, And the opportunity presented itself during the pandemic. So we decided to stop making PowerPoint and start making booze. Mm.
1: But but you were lucky because you came in at a time where booze was able to be made and you could Find ways and mentors and people to help you create it. How did you decide what you wanted your products to look like at Bow and
2: Ivy? Oh, that's a great question. So um, the first. uh, She's going to say, I only ask great questions. No, I'm fine. Okay. (laughs) So the first strategic decision we made as owners (laughs) that all craft distilleries have to make is whether you're going to source products. Mm -hmm. So basically buy alcohol in the secondary market in bulk and put it in bottles with your label or whether we were going to make everything ourselves. We decided to do it the hard way. So mm-hmm. we decided to make everything ourselves, which meant the first thing we had to do was line up a farmer. Um, so our all of our grain comes from Leadstown Farming Collective in oh. Montgomery County in Virginia. Um, and after we have distilled it, all of the dark spirits go into barrels from the West Virginia Great Barrel Company in Greenbrier County in West Virginia, which is actually the premier cooperage in the world at this point. We were lucky to get on the ground floor during COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and the next thing we did was look around for mentors. Uh, the first mentor we had was the former head distiller, Joseph A. Magnuson Company, mm-hmm. Matt Witzig, who now is with Phenomenal Spirits in Virginia Beach. Um, and then we found John Cushot, whose resume is really too long for me to list, but is a, a master distiller who has built multiple distilleries, including most recently Boston Harbor, where he's still on the board. Excellent.
1: All right, well. We're going to put a pin yes. in it right there, but you're going to pour us something first. So tell us what we got.
2: So, the first thing we're going to start with is the very first cocktail we ever came up with. Actually, my distiller, Zach Drach, came up with this. It is a corn whiskey margarita. Ooh. So, it is Bow and Ivy corn whiskey, wow. fresh lime juice, dry curacao, um, simple syrup, and just a touch of saline so that we don't have to use salt today. Okay. Um, but this is actually one of our most popular drinks. It's good. Yeah. We do this for a lot of. Um, Large uh, private events and things like that because we can pre-batch it, mm-hmm. and people really enjoy it. Say, well, pour for your... everybody in studio, yeah, please. Yeah, you Start you your day up.
0: off like this. Everything else is downhill. No. Mm, it's man. It's getting better. No, I mean, right. with this show. and dr- No. Who drinks at 11, 15 in the morning? Lots I mean. of people. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: Val's like.
0: Prescription chicken. Good morning. So you got to do a quick 411 on you because you did not grow up in the world- you know making chicken as you got out of co- chicken soup as you got out of college I
3: didn't but I met you guys uh you know a
0: million years ago Yeah
3: but you know just a few years ago I'm trying ago. to think what did we we met you <laughs> when I was at Bullfrog and Bound Bullfrog and Bound writing and Yeah Washington. so that was even before you were with VSAJ, yeah. right Yeah, yeah, yeah. so oh really my God. Lo- early, really early <laughs> Yes and spent some time in restaurant PR and then uh-huh. some time in restaurant consulting working with uh BSAG and the Founding Farmers Restaurant Group. Right. And then, you know, a couple years later, got sick, needed matzo ball soup, and mm-hmm.
1: uh, Here said you to are. my
3: cousin, hey, let's make some soup.
1: So let's talk about that, because creating a, um, a business, a soup business, can be perilous, right? It's hard to transport. It's hard to package. Matzo balls are not easy. They're incredibly fragile, and people, matzo balls are a... A product that form. people have um, institutional memory of, right? It's if they grew up Jewish and they have matzah ball soup, then they they know what that matzah ball tastes well, like. Exactly, it's subjective. Right. So that's
3: the other thing. There's not one perfect matzah ball mm-hmm. to one, some like them a hard floater. and some like them soft. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's right. exactly. Right. But you're right. We had to really think about what we liked, but then also what would translate. But I think you're missing so.
0: something to, from the start because the, the company's called Prescription Chicken, it is. and there is actually medicinal value to to chicken broth chicken soup
3: it makes you feel better chicken it, soup well but i just think they it they, opens up better. the capillaries we can't we can't say that you know no medicinal, no but, you know, no no doctor Zweig. but um,
0: i mean that's you know the base the whole base of the business yes. is the fact that you know when you when you're sick and you eat chicken soup it can help make you better
3: With everything, right? Whether you're actually sick or homesick or having a bad day or Mm -hmm. objectively Mm. She's steering
0: away from the medical Okay.
1: (laughs) So, but let's talk about, so you decide to start with matzah ball soup, but you expand on that rather quickly, but you don't open up uh, brick and mortar. So let's talk a little bit about the business model and how it's changed over the years. It's
3: always been delivery. Mm -hmm. So we always, and really it started, and it's actually funny, we started, um, as a chicken soup delivery because I got sick a bunch of times and couldn't find matzo ball soup um, or any chicken soup really. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we started with. And we we actually started and thought it would be more of gifting, right, accessible gifting. But we found people ordered it at lunch, had ordered it at dinner and all throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And we always stayed true to being a – um, delivery business. So okay. we don't have a dine-in restaurant. We do have our own space now for the last few years, but it is still 95% delivery.
1: But you don't only have one product. No. We okay, have so let's talk about some of the SKUs. Ten different flavors.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, so everything from a classic grandma noodle, grandma matzo ball, we have a chicken list, which is our totally vegetarian version. Mm-hmm. We have a spicy chicken noodle, which we call the hangover. hangover. soup, That which one's is my favorite. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And then we have our pho in one, which is our version of a pho. We have a, a ramen. We have a wild rice, which is gluten-free. We have a bone broth. Mm. We have um Pat pie. We have a Pie. Mm-hmm. And then about three years ago, we decided to expand into grocery. And so we have our soups in about 600 grocery stores across the country. Right. They're in um, the local Whole Foods. They're in the local Whole Foods. They're mm-hmm. in Dawson's. They're in Balducci's. They're in some streets markets. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, uh, the name is uh, Chick Soup Co. Uh, so, again, you're very clear that it is two chicks who started the business, and all we make is chicken soup.
1: <laughs> right. I love that. Okay. So now we have – what do we have, two? Okay. We're going to take a break now. Right. So that we can get into Passover, which is my favorite Jewish holiday. Um, this is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. Passover and Easter are coming up. Are you ready? We'll be back in just a sec.
0: You know, Nick, back in the day when I worked for Hex, the Hex Warehouse is over on uh, New York Avenue. And we hated being sent over there to do stuff because there was nowhere to eat for lunch. It was a wasteland.
1: Well, not anymore. So the Ivy City area has exploded. And, you know, the very first restaurant over there was the Tavern at Ivy City Smokehouse. Now, this is a great neighborhood restaurant, but it's also a destination restaurant. First of all, they smoke all their seafood, and that is incredible. But it also is a huge kitchen that does amazing dishes, fresh seafood, great burgers, the whole deal— But the space is what you really need to check out. An amazing outdoor patio where you want to sit and have cocktails. They do live music there all the time and other live shows. And there is a great event space. So if you're looking for a place to hold a wedding or have a party, you definitely want to check out the Tavern at Ivy City Smokehouse.
0: Well, it's uh, about 20 years too late, but now I have a good reason to go over to Ivy City and the Tavern at Ivy City Smokehouse. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis talking to Valerie Zweig, the founder, the entrepreneur behind Prescription Chicken um, and more.
1: But you
3: have That's a like lot. Prescription
0: Chicken, etc. Yeah. So you
1: have a you're doing a lot for Passover.
3: you are going all in. Okay. And, and funny story. And I was just thinking about this as I was driving over. You know, we came up with the concept or really sort of solidified the concept over matzo uh-huh. Uh My cousin Taryn is my co-founder and right. uh, we were sitting around after Passover Seder, uh, you know, at my mom and dad's house and we were having matzo brie, which we'll talk about in a second. And um, we'd started talking about and framing out the concept for prescription chicken, which so I love. it's That's such a neat me- Yeah. It's a really fun memory. Right. And I think it goes w- into well. And I we think it's Passover important. So I mean,
1: right. so Passover, the Jewish holiday, which is eight days where, uh, Jews who follow it in a variety of ways, but primarily eat unleavened bread, which is matzah. And matzah is what creates
3: matzah balls. balls. That's right.
1: Um, If I can just tell you such a crazy story about somebody David and I know who— I guess never met a Jewish person before but came from Eastern Europe and tried to explain okay. to me that uh, that the matzo ball soup mix she had in her pantry was from her people
0: was a, uh, yes. I was like
1: see that writing it was a Romanian uh, my people uh, tradition anyway, yeah. anyway that part is fine. surprise
0: <laughs>
4: Okay,
1: but so everybody connects. To matzo balls. But, they do, they but, do. So let's talk about how you develop because now you're doing so many things for Passover. Let's talk about all these great things that you're doing and some of the stuff you brought in today.
3: So Passover is our favorite, and I mean, we joke and say that it's the Super Bowl for prescription chicken. But mm-hmm. part of that is is the connection that we have, right? It's all about coming together with family, sitting at the table, feeding, connecting, celebrating, and we love it so much, right? Um, so. I'll start first with our pop-up, which is very fun. I'm so, so excited. We, um, like I said, you know, we sort of talked about the idea for, for prescription chicken over a big plate of matzah mm-hmm. which is a family tradition in my Also family, known as fried, fried matzah. And it is a matzah cracker favorite. dipped in egg and milk, fried, mm-hmm. and then served either sweet or savory. So, right. which you guys are traditionally what? Sweet or savory? Maple syrup and,
0: yeah, and sour we're, cream. We're traditionally uh-huh. sweet. That's kind of how it is. Yeah. Yes. Right.
3: So we, um, our family was always salt and pepper and raspberry jelly. Okay, oh, fair but enough. We were um, thinking about it last year, and I said, you know, gosh, why don't we do riffs on mozzarella? Mm-hmm. And so we decided to do a fun. Quick pop, of, pop up called Brize and Shine. I love um, and where we take matzo brai and then we garnish it and we make, you know, riffs on sort of our favorite dishes. Wait,
0: salt and pepper and raspberry?
3: I know. Yes. But it's perfect. It it's does perfect. sound perfect. <sighs> but it gets even better from here. Right.
1: So can we here. talk about this one? Yeah. Because this one looks like
0: the best. Yeah, right, we're going to taste So we this have one.
3: about seven different varieties. And the first one that David is going to try and Nikki is going to try is our brigel, <laughs> everything brigel. Right. So we take our matzo brai, then we do everything bagel seasoning. Ivy City uh, smoked, smoked or uh, salmon good. candy. Yeah, uh, dill cream cheese and some scallions. Gorgeous. Perfect. Right? right. Like it's yeah, got the so great It's egg-y, delicious. delicious. Um, when I order it,
0: very yep. important. Yep. To a glutton, what? How much do I get? I mean, <laughs> you know, is,
3: is it, there you enough? A enough you, to feed got a, you him. a good amount. I yeah. mean, is it it's, to
0: get and then go back to? Yeah?
3: No, I think it's it's a good, it's a nice good brunch portion. portion. But so um, where is the pop-up? So it's at our store, which is 1819 7th Street. Mm-hmm. So you can come in and order and take it to go, or you can get it for delivery. Okay. So through our website, through Uber Eats, Postmates, um, mm-hmm. all the
1: things. And how many different varieties of fried matzo are you doing? I think we
3: have about seven.
1: Wow. So we have wow. a classic, we
3: have our Brigle, we have um, a huevos rancheros version. Love it. And then we go into sweet. So we have, um, this one over here is inspired. By Nutella and crepes, which is uh, what so it looks like. Nutella and powdered sugar and strawberries. Mm-hmm. We have um, a crazy one that we call the Sunday Fun Day, which is um, you should order that for your grandkids if right. you can give them back afterwards. Right, it's got caramel sauce and chocolate sauce and sprinkles and whipped cream and it's This uh, will be after they're delicious. done running around the room four thousand times, okay. right? Or yeah. before? Okay, <laughs>
1: can we talk about? So you have some sweets. Can we talk yes. about chocolate matzo balls? Yes, because I'm very curious. So we
3: um. So are. and I'll take a step back for one second. Yes. Um. So we decided that we wanted to really try to support and be a resource for everything Passover. Mm-hmm. So this year we decided to do a Passover uh, kit, like a Seder starter kit. Right, which um, I that love. included everything for someone who was hosting a small or well, solo Seder. I think for Seder. young
1: people who maybe yeah. aren't, aren't home, home. Yeah. for and the that's holidays. Like, that's
3: exactly like what we mean to do in general is like mm-hmm. when you're away from your family and you're sick, that's why we want to do what we do with our soup. Right. So this year, right – Who wants to go get the egg and roast it? And who wants to get the bone? And who wants to get the parsley and all Mm. the things? So we decided to do a package. And I'll lead with the the chocolate matzo ball because we wanted to do something fun and sweet. We do a chocolate uh, matzo toffee, which is delicious, Delicious. which I have samples for you guys. Yes. But then this year we said, like, let's try chocolate matzo balls. So it's uh, matzo meal. It Mm. is craisins, and it is lots of chocolate, and Mm. it is delicious.
1: Well, I mean, for people who don't understand, matzo... Meal takes on the flavors of everything, oh, yes. right? Like it's like a it is flour mm-hmm. or yes. flour and water, yeah. then crushed again. Yeah. So it really can take on multiple flavors. I without... think that's as
3: delicious. Actually. So, oh my god, so, are you kidding? You know, and people are like, I know, but if you if you if you, if you if if you can garnish it and, you know, do dishes with it, it's it's actually quite fun. I mean, people are leaning into it this year.
1: Yes, part. I'm we're here for it. And yes. I, I think you're finding what's interesting about D C right now is more people are now making matza. Yeah. Like for a long time yeah. you couldn't find that in the D C market. Like Philly and New York had yep. that pretty wrapped up but we're seeing more people do it here. It's very exciting. I love it. All right, Val, tell everybody, please, where they can find you and find out all the information about Bryson and Shine and everything else. Find us on
3: our website, www.prescriptionchicken.com. Get us on ordering through there, Uber Eats, Postmates, DoorDash, et cetera. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. We are serving this year with Bryson and Shine. Um, We're doing a partnership with Black Vinegar Collections, uh, Infused cold brew lattes mm. so this year we are doing a pistachio latte a peanut butter latte and a plain jane and they are delicious the also be popping up a in the killer. store. okay so thank good. you all right you.
1: so we're gonna move you out dana can come in but we're gonna go back to the drink segment and everybody Julia. here who has not ever had fried matzah, matzo brai all the goods are here dig in do not miss what val is serving up okay
0: all right
1: so this cocktail was amazing Thank you. So talk a little bit more about how you worked with your distillers to get the flavor profiles you were looking for.
2: Sure. Absolutely. So it's hugely collaborative at Bow & Ivy. We're actually getting ready to kick off our spring menu in April. But um, all of our distillers originally worked in the hospitality industry. um, And Joe has worked there. I was a caterer. Um, So everybody kind of comes with their best ideas, but you start with the classic cocktails and then you kind of work from there. Because our goal is to highlight our spirits, so make something where it tastes great, um, but it's not inaccessible to the consumer. I love going to the great bars in D.C. where it's like 20 touches to make your cocktail. I want it to be just slightly one step harder than a customer would have at home when they come into our cocktail room because I want them to buy a bottle, take it home, and be confident making their own martini or their own margarita Mm -hmm. or anything else like that. So. We're really looking for things that highlight the quality of the underlying spirit, um, but that are accessible to everyone who wants to come in and enjoy it. OK. And what are the spirits that you're making right now? So, yes. Right now we have the corn whiskey. We have vodka, which is 100 percent corn based. We have uh, our classic gin and we just released our spring gin. And now we are releasing our first bourbon, which is so can we talk about the corn. Why did you do go that route? For the vodka, or just in general, just in general. So the main ingredient of bourbon is corn. So we mm-hmm. were already sourcing corn more than any other grain. Um, it's also, frankly, the cheapest of the three grains that you typically use, or the mm-hmm. four grains you would typically use to make bourbon. So we had corn in bulk. We had a supply line set, um, and that was that was the choice. Excellent. All right, what are we pouring next? So next, we are pouring a spring gin martini, and it is Bow and Ivy Spring Gin, which is our classic gin. And we have added about 70 pounds of black cherries, rose, bergamot, and cherry blossoms. So our classic gin is an American dry. This is much more floral um, and much fruitier. We're really excited about it. So are the cherries... Fresh cherry. Like yes, we fresh get, cherries. We get fresh cherries and you put them into the still and you boil it all together. Wow. Right? Wow. Yeah.
1: And no yeah. color, but you distill out the color, right? Correct. There's we no do. Color in although it.
2: this is going to be a slightly pink cocktail because we have paired it with um, vermouth, rose vermouth from mm-hmm. the Baltimore uh, Wine Collective. Oh, are we going to cool. be able to
0: walk when we? Yes, done you'll with be fine. Show? I hope not.
2: Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Like no, Uber home. Okay, great. Ooh, we'll come good. back to you guys in a little bit.
0: All right. right.
1: Please bring chips.
0: Please bring chips. Or mozzarella. Great <laughs> event and cater- uh, event space and catering company over on H Street Northeast. The mm-hmm. uh, De- Dana Hiakamoto is here with us. She's with Please Bring Chips, um, chef, a great chef, Christian Irabien. Did I do it right? That's the one. Gracias. Um, is here. He's doing. He's the new pop up guy there. We had Chef Marcel on uh, a couple of months ago. Yeah. Um, Dana, why don't you take it and just talk about, first of all, the name I love, but Please Bring Chips and the purpose of, you know, kind of bringing in star chefs for pop-ups.
5: Yeah. Uh, well, of course, everyone asks us about the name, Please Bring Chips. What right. does that mean? So at the start, we are a bar catering company. Um, you know, I say, we bring the drinks, you bring the chips, we work as collaborative, we'll have a nice party or an event and help you take it there. Mm-hmm. Um So, since we're so bar focused, we've often worked with food partners um, like Chef Christian, who has provided food for our offsite events many, many times. Mm -hmm. Over the past year, we have this awesome space on H Street that we call 1320, mostly because its address is 1320 H Street. And it's also
1: like like you have to find it. It's a little. It's like the doorway is like a little narrow doorway next to like a hydrant or something. Right?
5: Right? It's fun. We have decided now that that more secret doorway is a little bit more precarious. Okay. So they are allowed to come in through the front, see our catering operation, take a sneak. But peek But you better at the be kitchen. straight when
0: you come there, otherwise it'll take you off at the knees. Well the okay.
5: there is quite a bit of stairs, <laughs> um, but it is kind of uh, a cool way that we can have our own events. Uh, yeah. It's really multi-purpose. We've done retail. It's
0: a nice space, too. But so,
1: Chef, restaurant. let's talk a little bit about your background and how you wound up doing your pop-up because last time I saw you was at Mutas Gracias, right? Yes. But yes. where were you before? Let's give people a little bit of a rundown if they I know you, but if they don't know you.
6: <laughs> All right. So, I guess the elevator pitch of who I am is um, my name is Christian. I am originally from Chihuahua, Mexico. My family is from the Yucatan and Mexico City. Um, I've been in D.C. since uh, early 2000s. Uh, We moved to the States um, at the peak of the economic and industrial destabilization of Mexico in Mm -hmm. the late 80s. Um, And my family always had restaurants growing up. Um, Not like any other restaurants we now know, but they were always just small eateries and neighborhoods. Um, Obviously, my family told me to not get into restaurants, and they pushed me to do everything else, (laughs) and what did I do?
1: Right, you went
6: into uh, yeah. <laughs> You were a bad boy, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, still am. Um, You're
1: sometimes. like, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> right,
6: <laughs> um, and then yeah, I found myself uh, getting into restaurants, starting dodging around the city. I think when I first started cooking here in DC, it was in Georgetown. There was a restaurant called Hook with uh, Barton. Sure, oh, Barton Siever. Right. Right. Oh my God. Um, and then just sort of found myself in a million different places. Um, uh, eventually. Uh, Started cutting my teeth with Chef Armstrong at Restaurant Eve. Mm. Um, And then from there, uh, jumped over with Jose at OML, where I started sort of reconnecting with with Mexican food. Mm -hmm. Um, And since I was brought over here at such a young age, uh, but grew up with a very loud Mexican family, Mm -hmm. um, food started becoming a way for me to reconnect with this culture and history and country that I was not necessarily able to grow within as the rest of my family did.
1: Well, so if you think about the foods you grew up with once you moved to this country from your family, what were you, if you look back on that, what were you, what do you take from that now? What are some of the foods that you grew up with or the foods that your family was making in Mexico that you sort of are now looking back on?
6: Oh, that's a great question. Um, specifically for the papa we're doing, Please Bring Chips Now, which is called Egbalam. Egbalam is an archaeological Mayan site in the Yucatan. Mm-hmm. Um, the entire menu is uh, composed of dishes my grandfather cooked while I was growing up, mm. um, very Mayan-focused. Um, um, and our first night open was um, my grandfather, my late-grandfather's birthday, which was mm-hmm. sort of yeah, this year. Right, we have to take a quick break, break,
1: but when we come back, let's talk about how you got together with Please Bring Chips and created this pop-up and what people can look forward to. This is David and Nikki Nellis on Foodie and the Beast. You don't have to bring chips, but you could. We'll be back in just a sec.
0: (laughs) All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis, and I want to continue the conversation with Chef Christian, and I don't want to let this go by because if people are out there and for any reason are not familiar with you and they're like, is this guy's food any good? R.A.M.W., the Restaurant Association of Metropolitan Washington, named you as the rising, what was it, the rising star, rising chef star? Rising culinary star. Rising culinary
6: culinary star star Mm -hmm. in 2020, so you know your stuff, man. Yes. Yeah, I've been um, I was super lucky to participate in that. Um, we started this small pop up at the beginning of the pandemic called Muchas Gracias, which mm-hmm. was supposed to be open for six weeks while we flattened the curb. Um, and obviously that went on and another, it's still six there. Weeks. <laughs> yeah, another six weeks. Uh, and it became uh, so popular with the neighborhood. Uh, we were able to support, originally, it was to support two people who were furloughed. Um, one mm-hmm. was from Honduras, one from Mexico City. Um, financially because they while we were able to supply food, they needed to send money back home. Sure. Um, and then that just grew. Um, our the the person who uh, bankrolled or, you know, invested in the space, um, mm-hmm. who also owns Comet Ping Pong and James um, Elefantos. Who was a good man. Yes. Yeah. And uh he you know saw the the place flourishing and then just said we're we're, we're keeping, keeping it. it um before the pandemic and before Muchas gracias I was pursuing opening the project Amparo, which is what we're Right. popping up with now mm-hmm. um now that much gracias is sort of in a place of um more stabilized and is uh, now being run and operated by the staff that we brought in um, a lot of the people that came in came in as barbacks and dishwashers and now they're general managing and i love great right.
0: so let's, talk can yeah, we talk, let's talk about, about the, the dishes that you're serving like the the Let's get into them and talk about what's what's in
6: them. What's the
1: experience?
6: Sure, yeah. Um, so right now we have it's a it's a tasting menu uh, mm-hmm. through the Yucatan. Uh, we start out with um, smoked oysters, which my grandfather always had. A, he was he had a fascination with tin preserves, so sardines, oysters, mm-hmm. uh, clams. Uh, we do smoked oysters in a maggie and lime dressing with um, toasted pumpkin seeds, which is really really nice. Uh, from there we move on into a michote, which is sort of like um, if you think of empapillot, like just steams inside of different leaves. We're using collard greens to steam fish with an adobo rojo. Mm. Um, then from there, we move on to the main. Is this menu. whole fish or fillets? Or? Uh, it's it's uh, filleted fish. Mm-hmm. We're using wild rockfish currently. I mean, it
1: is a tasting menu, so yeah, you it's need to. Small.
6: And then from there, we move into the the heavy hitter. And this is sort of the the meat and butter of the of the Yucatecan cuisine, which is mm-hmm. cochinita pibil, mm-hmm. um, With traditionally is... Um, Pig that is rubbed in a chota spice, uh, wrapped in banana leaves, and then buried in a hole so that it's uh, it's an underground oven. Okay. Um, please bring chips and not allow us to dig a I hole. I was going to say, where did we
1: dig a hole? What <laughs> happened here?
6: So, yeah, there's a bit of a liability issue. But he did <laughs> so bring in a whole pig. <laughs> <laughs> we did bring a whole pig and we broke him down and we've been cooking him and he's been uh, such a good friend to us. He's delicious. But <laughs> um, well,
1: we have to be grateful to the products that we have, right? Yeah. It's important.
6: Um, but, yeah, and there's that. And then besides that, we've been able to break down the rest of the pig and do different um, dishes with it. Like Right now we have a, a pig trotter croquette uh, that's made of um, the feet and the head meat. Um, it's really, really good. It's super rich, and it comes with a, a lot of tartness on the side.
1: So we only have a couple minutes left. Um, can we talk quickly about the cocktails or non-cocktails that you're doing with the menu?
5: Yeah, Um It's really nice to be working with so many different people. We have to engage with lots of beverage creativity. Mm -hmm. Um, So for our beverage pairing, we're really focusing on Mexican wines. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just brought mezcal for you. We work with our friends at High Road Spirits. They're an importer of small spirits. This is Cruz de Fuego. It's Mm -hmm. something we're using in our cocktails. Right now we're making a Mexican penicillin. So instead of using blended scotch and single malt, the base is the toll. So mm. if
0: you pour that in with prescription chicken, chicken you could right. have Mexican-Jewish, uh, Jewish-Mexican
5: uh,
1: <laughs> penicillin.
6: Right. This is a very it. therapeutic episode, yeah. I, I, I guess believe. it is. Um,
1: okay, so how long is the pop-up going on for?
6: We have three more weeks. We go until April
1: 23rd. Excellent. Okay, great. And then are we looking at a brick and mortar?
6: Uh, we are... We're doing dances with landlords right now, yes. Excellent. Uh, so you'll very, keep posted. It's like dancing with the stars. It's called dances with wolves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <There you> go. <laughs> All right. Can you
1: give everybody, please, where we can find you on Instagram and uh, online?
6: Sure. The uh, social media, uh, my personal one is just Christian Irabien, uh, I-R-A-B-I-N. Mm-hmm. Um, and the restaurant is um, at Amparo Fundita. Um, Excellent. And, and that's please it. Please bring and chips. Then, and then please and bring at
5: chips. at please bring chips. Excellent. Thank exactly you guys how you think so it much.
1: Sounds. Yes. <laughs> All right. Okay, Bo and Ivy. You guys want to put us under with well, this drink or Well, I want drink, Julia to what? come
0: back because she actually laughed at my dances with Wong. <laughs> okay. So, welcome back, Julia.
2: Thank you. Can you tell who's in least negotiations in the room? Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: okay. So, let's talk about, you know, when we talk about brown liquor. Yes. That has to sit for a much longer time. So, Gross. how'd you guys go about handling that and you talked about your cooperage did you do a char like let's talk a little bit about the details of the product
2: absolutely so what we're pouring next is actually our two-year straight bourbon so to Mm -hmm. be straight bourbon per law it must be aged for two years in new white oak american barrels um ours are uh, level three char, level four toast in mm-hmm. 18-month staves. Mm-hmm. And it is a patience game. You know, you do take samples at one year, um, and so we do have a kind of a spirits library. Where we can p- compare what a barrel tasted like at one year to what it tastes like at two years, and so forth and so on. Um, but harvesting barrels is also something that you do carefully because you want to have enough inventory to then have a four-year bottled in bond or to have an eight-year. Um, but this is our first... Two-year. I'm so excited about it. It tastes much more mature than a classic two-year. It's 100 proof. Um, I got like Red Hots and um, Cinnamon Toast Crunch on the nose. But when you drink it, it's baked apples, some nice spices, and a little bit of black walnut in the finish. Um, I think it shows very spectacular. It is spectacular for a two-year. And I'm biased, obviously. This is a blend of four. But now will you
1: hold it longer?
2: Yes, this is a blend of four barrels that we pulled at two years, but mm-hmm. we are obviously aging spirits for a four-year product and probably also for an eight-year product.
1: Okay, great. Yeah. Well, thank you. We'll be back to you at the Wait, end. Wait, I'm trying to
0: catch my breath after that sip. No. I know.
1: Paula. <laughs> yes. So.
0: Paula Johnson. All right, let's do it again. Because okay. Paula is the curator of food and wine history at the National Museum of American History, and mm-hmm. they have a whole, I mean, you have a whole world there dedicated to food and wine. Now is it American it's all American cuisine we're talking about in American wines, correct?
4: Yes, that's what we'll be talking about today. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. She's like, that's not all we talk about, but right. today but that's today. what we're
1: talking about because it's so massive, we couldn't possibly condense it all into 10 minutes. So let's talk a little bit about what's happening uh at the American Museum. Sure.
4: Uh, I'm here to talk about wine because mm-hmm. on Wednesday, April 26th, we are hosting our seventh um winemakers' dinner at right. the National Museum of American History. Seven, this year? Seventh overall. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So
1: let's talk about programming and how you guys get involved with all that and mm-hmm. why you do it. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, the winemakers' dinner is actually a fundraiser for the American Food and Wine History Project. Mm-hmm. And what we do is it's about history, it's about wine, and the two together, of course, make a beautiful evening. Um, we're working with the Napa Valley Vintners this year, mm-hmm. and uh, we have... Uh, five individuals who are going to be bringing wine and telling their history uh, throughout the course of this really special evening.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, can we talk a little bit about the project and mm-hmm. explain sure.
4: what it is and and why you're doing fundraising for it? Sure. The Food and Wh- Food History Project at the American History Museum is really dedicated to the exploration of food and wine in history, and really using food as a lens for understanding large topics in American history. you know, mm-hmm. Like, not, for example? Like, for example, I've learned so much today from our other guests. Right. Um, and, you know, the, the way in which um, big topics like immigration and migration and the way in which people bring their traditions with them and how that both informs um, new cuisines mm-hmm. and also celebrates um but you went back the to world. the
0: roots. You were part, if I read correctly, part of the team that, that sort of broke down Julia Child's kitchen and brought it back to the museum. Is that, that correct? That is
4: the truth. Definitely. And she,
0: she was an American, but she mm-hmm. was living in France, and she, you know, she she sort of brought the French kitchen into the American kitchen, didn't she? And simplified it.
4: Well, she brought French food to everyone in who wanted to learn, mm-hmm. and certainly there were a lot of people in the United States in the 1960s who embraced that message. Which was about French cuisine, sure, but it was also about cooking. And it was about really deciding that cooking is not drudgery. Cooking Mm -hmm. can be pleasurable, can be an adventure. And to really be curious about other cuisines and to learn the techniques and to share. I mean, she was also all about commensality, Mm -hmm. about the central part. Part of cooking should be social, and, of course, eating should also be social. I remember well,
0: when my family caught the bug because we were TV dinner eaters on those stupid Not, little not trays. in my house. Not in your house. No. But but then suddenly life changed, and we were like, we were really eating,
1: mm-hmm. and it was mm-hmm.
0: amazing, mm-hmm. and it was all her influence.
1: Um, so now you guys are doing fundraising for the project mm-hmm. because you're constantly doing different exhibits and showcasing different ways that people eat. Well, across the country,
4: sure, and in fact, it's um, you know supporting the research, the collecting, the programming, and the exhibitions, and also the staffing um, mm-hmm. that you know we need in order to do this work. And you know the the original funding for this project is actually related to wine and to the Napa Valley. Mm-hmm. Our first research um, gift was in 1996 okay. from Warren Winyarski, uh, who. Mm-hmm famously made the 1973 Cabernet Sauvignon. Right. That place first in the Paris Tasting of 1976. Right. and Bottle he, shock for the movie, yeah. for people who saw the movie. Yeah. Right, With a little bit of fiction thrown right. into the movie, but yeah. But um, that gift gave us what we needed to start doing focused research, focused collecting on this area that we had nothing uh, in the American History Museum. Mm-hmm. And so over the years, this has been a through line but we've, of course, um, have many more topics that we're exploring beyond wine history. But it's just wonderful that this year, um, you know, when we're back to doing something in real life at uh, the museum um, with guests, that we're working with the Napa Valley Vintners because, mm-hmm. of course, Warren was uh, still is uh, right. making wine in Napa Valley.
1: And for people who don't know, Napa Valley Vintners is coming to town. They do come to town, I mean, pre-pandemic annually and they usually do big tastings for only those in the industry and actually they are doing a huge industry tasting event on monday april 24th it's just for the industry at duck and the peach Um, you can reach out to me if you're curious about it Um, and they are doing dinners around the area so for the monday tuesday and wednesday that the napa valley vintners are in town there are wine events happening all over the city But
0: the big one, the the crown
1: jewel, is the one at the Smithsonian. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll get into the uh, wineries that are going to be there and what you'll be eating and what the experience will be like. This is uh, David and Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. We have no wine in studio, but we are okay with that. We'll be back in just a sec.
0: All right, Um, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis talking with uh, Paula Johnson, who's curator at the Smithsonian's National Museum of American History. And we're talking about... um, All kinds of things. She oversees the food and wine history collections there. um, And uh, we want to talk about the collections. But there's a huge dinner coming up with the Napa Valley Vintners. Mm -hmm. Um, Say that fast after a couple of drinks. Mm -hmm. But it's on April 26th. Why Mm -hmm. don't I turn it over to you and you hit it.
4: Mm -hmm. Yes, please. Absolutely. This will be, uh, as you said, April 26th at the National Museum of American History. Got a great spot with us. Uh, view of the terrace. And so hopefully the weather will be fabulous. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have uh, various vintners coming. Um, Andy Erickson from Favia, who's going to be uh, bringing some of his wonderful Cabernet. Mm -hmm. Uh, Daneen Dyer, uh, who is uh, Dyer Vineyard, also bringing, well, actually bringing Cabernet Franc. Doug Schaefer, Schaefer Vineyards on the Silverado Trail, right. um, will be pouring a wonderful uh, Cabernet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elizabeth Fiana from Chimney Rock, also on the Silverado Trail, and she is pouring a uh, the first wine of the evening. Actually, I should have started there, which is a white. Um, it's a white uh, blend of mm. um, Sauvignon Gris and Sauvignon Blanc, and Beautiful. yeah, it's really gorgeous. And then um, we also have Martin Reyes, who is uh, not going to be pouring wine. He is a um, uh, winemaker in Napa. He's also an educator and is very involved in um, efforts to um, promote sustainability and um, to promote um, climate uh, attention in the vineyards. And well,
1: especially after what's happened after in the Napa Valley and, right. mm-hmm. with the fires. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many people were, mm-hmm. you know, affected um, yeah. by it. And
4: also the drought, the severe drought, and mm-hmm. now the deluges. And
0: now the rain. right. right. And
4: so actually the Napa vintners have been for, you know, over uh, two decades, been really thinking about changes in, for example, vineyard management, You know, the location of the vines, their orientation toward the sun, Mm -hmm. the way in which the crop is dropped um, in order to concentrate, you know, the flavors, but also to keep the canopy so that the little jewels uh, don't burn up, you know, things like that. And so um, our theme is Napa wines in changing times. And the changing times really have to do with, you know, the massive changes that are are taking place. But I think
1: you have a really good point. This is not happening in, they're not like, oh, woe is me. Uh, this is just happening to us. They are, they are active and mm-hmm. being, This is um, how we're dealing with it. They're right. really trying to find ways to deal with it so that they can further their wines and further their products and, exactly. and save the land that they're on. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Now, is the event a dine around? Are people walking
4: around? Is it sit down? It's seated. It's, um Probably a hundred and twenty-five, hundred fifty. Okay. So it's not massive, mm-hmm. um, and um, it will go basically six thirty to ten o'clock. Some in that in that area. So mm-hmm.
0: it's, well, it's, let's make sure the word gets out. It's April twenty-six. How much are tickets, and how do we get tickets? Just okay. to make sure we've done that. Right.
4: Mm-hmm. Um, the tickets um, are thousand dollars each. Um, mm-hmm. Remember, this is a fundraiser for the right. museum. Um, and to get a ticket, go to our homepage americanhistory.si.edu. Search for Wine History, and you will come to the place right. that gives, explains it all, what you will I mean, of course, you can find it
1: on the list, com as well, just an <laughs> yes.
4: FYI. All the information is on there.
1: Um, and it, it does sound like a spectacular evening. And what I love about the events that you do is that it's not just, like, eating and drinking. Right. This is storytelling. Exactly. So everybody will be getting up and really mm-hmm. telling their stories about their wines and what... What is Mm -hmm. happening for Mm -hmm. them, right?
4: Right. And um, the stories that they tell, we always say, we'd love to hear about your wines, but we're going to publish all of your text sheets in our journal. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to go through all of that. Tell us about your history. Tell Mm -hmm. us about who you are. Tell us about something that is really important for people to understand about your history, whether it's a family story, whether it's memories of, you know, learning in the the, uh, vineyard whether it is how you are um, changing what you're doing and maybe how you are um, bringing new people in to the industry.
1: Right, because anybody can read collateral. Mm-hmm. I don't need yeah. you to repeat your collateral. Right. Tell us something that we're gonna walk right. away with, right? And
4: Honestly, we have never had a winemaker's dinner where by the end of the evening, people are just there. Your hearts are full mm. and everyone's a friend. Everyone in the room. And it's just, it's really um, affecting. And um, so we're looking forward to.
0: Well, wine does that. Wine <laughs> does, I know. I mean, but
4: so it's... do really good stories. I yes. mean, you know. The vibes
0: are important, but the wine's
4: important. So. Okay. It <laughs> is. And, th- and if I do say so myself, these wines will be spectacular. And the people who are coming, you know, I've only met them on Zoom, but I feel like this, <laughs> I have this connection with mm-hmm. them. Because they're so so genuine and, um, you know, we'll be bringing uh, their histories. That's great.
1: Yeah. All right, Paula, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We really my appreciate pleasure. it. My pleasure. Okay. Joy. Bo and Ivy, let's wrap you guys up. So let's talk a little bit about the tasting room
2: because we haven't really talked about sort of the events and programming and what you guys do there. Absolutely. So. The cocktail room was opened in October of 2022. Mm -hmm. Um, During the pandemic, there was just not uh, a great way to invite the public in. So now we have that space where we can showcase our spirits. So it is a cocktail room, not just a tasting room. Although if you would like to book a tour, you can do that on our website. And that includes a tasting of the full spirits lineup. The cocktail room is open Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Mm -hmm. Um, And all of the cocktails we serve use our spirits as the base spirit, We do all signature cocktails and then we also, or pardon me, classic cocktails and then we have a variety of signatures on a rotating menu. Mm -hmm. We're going to be launching our spring menu on April 7th, the same day that we are launching our straight bourbon to the public. So we would love to have everybody come in that Friday and enjoy it or over the weekend if they have time. It would be a really exciting time to come in. We do private events Mm -hmm. as well, we do semi private events um, and a lot of great programming will be forthcoming. So. Okay. We're really excited to have people come and and check saying, it out. You may
0: have said it and I missed it. How many people can you accommodate?
2: So for a private event just in the cocktail room, we can do 50. If we open the barrel room as well and put in a satellite bar, we can do 75. Mm. Um, and it's very popular with food trucks because we just open our loading dock door and the food truck pulls right up and they serve through the window into the space. And the guests get this incredible experience of being among the equipment and the barrels as they enjoy both the spirits and the food. Well,
1: plus where you guys are in Ivy City you know, it's like its own little trail mm-hmm. of distilleries and breweries and things like that. So people can really go down and make a day of it. You absolutely can. You know, yeah. Um, Carefully, obviously, yeah. but
2: make a day of it. For sure. Yeah. We just did our first um, pairing dinner last Wednesday night with Gravitas, and we're looking forward to doing similar stuff with other restaurants Love in it. the neighborhood. Yeah. You got great things down there. Those all right. Let's amazing. give the
0: address and the web address and all that. Please.
2: Sure. So the website is www.boandivy, and that's B O, no W, mm-hmm. A N D I V Y dot com. We're mm-hmm. at boandivy.com dot com on Instagram. My personal Instagram is at Mrs. Still Runs. Right. Right. Um, well, she's a runner. Because I'm a runner, and we also have stills that we run. <laughs> All right. Dad jokes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, and we're at <clears> 2052. <throat> On behalf of dads. <laughs> <laughs> 2052 West Virginia Avenue Northeast in Ivy City. Great. Okay, yeah. thank you so much. All right, do you want to? I only want to
0: say what I've been saying every week for the last several months, and that is Europe, that the- Last year. Last year, yes. since yes. February. Um, <clears throat> the war in Ukraine that- Uh, is still red hot and they still need our help and there are refugees, there are folks in and out of Ukraine who are hungry, who are cold. I mean, I just read yesterday that the electricity in most of the country is off. So open up your wallets. It can be a buck. It can be five bucks. It can be more. You can give through the Red Cross. You can go to CNN and find a list of charities there. But um, they really need our help. And it's especially important because Russia's about to take over the chairmanship of the uh, U.N. Security Council for the next month. So they'll be doing all kinds of crap. So um, let's help our friends in the Ukraine.
1: Excellent. Okay. Um, everything you heard here today you can find on the com. Don't forget Easter and Passover are coming up. And you want to make sure you either have your reservations or your box of matzah or your matzah brai all ready for you. Of course, you're going to need drinks to go with that. So make sure you find out where you can get uh, bow and Ivy. And, of course, uh, you got three weeks left for the pop-up. Do not miss it because it sounds delicious. Uh, let's see. You want to follow me at NYCCI, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn for all the great eats and treats, not just locally but nationally as well. Um, and there's so much going on out there in D.C., uh, it's all on the calendar on the list. But, you know, just remember to take your kindness pills when you go out. Uh, the pandemic does feel over, but staff shortages are still real. Uh, just remember no restaurant wants you to have a negative experience. So take your kindness pills, go out, have a drink, and enjoy. And everybody have a delicious week.